my mind, but it's a long story as to why the tie is not up here with me tonight. I was thinking earlier, and I'm sure you have this thought quite frequently too, isn't it a blessing to be in God's family with God's people? Isn't it a gift that God gives us to be able to come together in these family reunions where we grow, where we are a blessing to one another, we try to be, where we are blessed by each other, where we can just kind of escape from the, the chaos and the clutter out of the world and, and come in here and, and maybe this can kind of be our safe place you know, where, where never is heard a discouraging word and, and we're doing our best to boost each other and to have each other's back and not stab each other in the back. We, we do our best to, to rejoice with those that are rejoicing and to, to weep from time to time with those that are weeping. There are a lot of different things going on in everybody's life, but we have this in common. We put a lot of that aside. We come together every Sunday and we focus on Him. We, we remember Him. It's not just words on a table. It is a quest. It is a a noble obsession of ours to see Jesus, to see his life for us, to see his death for us, to see how he has risen for us, preparing heaven for us, mediating for us with the Father, being our great attorney before God, pleading our case. What a gift it is, uh, Christianity. And I'm thankful that we get to do this journey together. And it is a neat experience for me to be able to, to go back in my mind uh, a couple of decades ago and, and think about the time that uh, Tammy and Ricky were standing. It was an outdoor wedding, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Good, I remembered it. I don't even remember what I had for breakfast today, but I remember, was it Butterfly Kisses that we sang at that? I didn't sing, but, oh, do y'all know the song Butterfly Kisses? It's a devastatingly sad song for the daddy of the bride to, to hear that. And I'm so thankful Jenna didn't do that to me at, at her wedding to, to Will. But uh, it's just, if you don't have warm, fuzzy feelings about being in God's family, then, then check your heart. Because we get to be in God's family with, with people not just here in this building, but people around the world. I've been with some of them the last few days over in Ukraine, and wow, they're going through it right now. They've got, they got too much COVID, not enough vaccines, not enough good access to, to health care. They've got the, the Russian troops kind of encroaching and getting near their board again, but they, they've kind of backed off now uh, in the last few days, thankful for that. But there are precious people there, precious people that we know that part of the body of Christ in, in London, and, and just I could just go on and on and on, but I promised Eli and many of you rather exhausted brethren tonight uh, a somewhat short lesson. And by the way, th those of you back in the back, if you could pull up from this morning's sermon, the very last slide, if you can find that and pull that up, that'll be very helpful because I'd like for us to think about what kind of prayer would you pray for the people that you love most? What would your wish for them be? What would your wishes be? What would your desires for them be? We, we have a great kind of template for 
what our prayers should be for people that we share the name of Jesus with. We share the blood of Jesus. We, we share the book with these folks. We share common destiny with these folks. We share a lot of the same struggles. And Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, he, he gives us a way of praying for those that are nearest and dearest to us. And, and this works. We've been thinking today a lot about the class of, of 2021 and what our prayers for them, our hopes, our, our, our dreams are for them. And, and it seems like this prayer here in Ephesians 3, beginning verse 14, it kind of fits for, for all of us, certainly, but, but specifically it would be helpful to those that are, are transitioning now from one phase of life to the next. They're in the nest, and soon they'll be, in a sense, out of the nest. And, and this works. So this is our prayer for you, graduates. This is our prayer for lots of people in lots of places. Examine this with me briefly. Ephesians 3, begin verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What would prompt you? What would prompt us? What would be our for this reason to bow our knees for the Father and to the Father? You have a list, right? We sing count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Impossibility. We're so blessed. We're drinking from the the saucer right because our cups are overflowing with blessings and, and we, can, we can list some of God's goodness to us but not nearly all of it. But, but what's kind of near the top of your list of reasons that you're most thankful tonight for God and to God for? Freedom, good health, salvation, family, good job. You know, we, we've all got a list, but I'm especially thinking, what would, what would you fill in the blank there? For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is at the top of it. This is why I love God so much. This is why I humble myself before him. This is why I allow God to be the determiner of my attitude, my words, my deeds. What is it? What was it for Paul? I've, I've looked at this, and, and when you see this phrase, for this reason, it's almost like the word therefore, and when there's a therefore, you're going to try to figure out what it is therefore, and you've got to look up above that. And so when you look up above this, for this reason, I bow my knees, what, what jumps out at us? And there are several phrases, several reasons we could nominate as to why he'd say, I'm bowing my knees, but... I'm especially thinking it's related back up there to verse 8 of Ephesians 3. Do you see that? It says, to me, Paul's talking about himself. He's very personal here. Who am less than the least of all the saints. Sometimes he'd reference it, I'm least of all the apostles. He's expanded the list now. I'm the least of all. I'm less than the least. That's pretty least. That's pretty less, isn't it? Of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach. Who am I? I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm less than the least. 
I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what prompts Paul to bow his knees to the Father? we just seen it. It's because he's been the beneficiary of such amazing grace that would save one who describes himself as less than the least. Remarkable humility there of a man who's doing probably at this time more extraordinary things by the power of God than anybody else, maybe adding all them up together. They're not doing what Paul is now by the grace of God able to do. And yet he's manifesting a remarkable spirit of humility. I mean, he's got people, he, he, he saves them through shipwrecks. He, he lands on an island, people bowing down to him. That's just his life. Now, he had some folks throwing rocks at him too. But can't we also say that for this reason, because of God's amazing grace, we also can bow down towards him. We also can say thank you tonight, God, for saving us in spite of us. I mean, Jesus, you remember what Paul said to the church at Rome, while we were yet sinners, God commended his love toward us and Jesus died for us. He, he, he didn't put us on probation. He didn't wait for us to become better, wiser, more thankful. He, he just died for us anyway. Confident that many of us will respond positively to that amazing grace, just as Paul did. The chief of sinners becomes the prince of, of soul winners, prince of preachers, and it's all possible by his amazing grace. We all have a salvation story of how we used to be. Maybe the attitude wasn't where it should be. Maybe the behavior, the language, the wardrobe, the places we went, the things we thought. But now, not perfect, but we're moving in a positive direction. It's not where we were so much as now where we are heading. And so we thank God. We thank God for his grace that makes our salvation possible. You and I, we've been beneficiaries of a grace, of a gift that we have not paid for, that we could never earn. And we should be so inspired and motivated <clears throat> to frequently come before our Father with our heads bowed in tremendous gratitude. So Paul is saying, because of this grace, I bow my knees to the Father. And then he says of him in verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, you Ephesian folks, according to the riches of his glory. And this is our wish, this is our prayer for the graduates and for everybody that we care about to be strengthened with might, notice, through his spirit in the inner man. There's so many things out there that are bigger than us, that, that can overwhelm us, that can conquer us if it's just us. Thankfully, it's not just us. It's us and him. It's us and the Father. You remember that the great cataclysmic conflict between little old David and big, tall, massive, giant Goliath? Goliath is thinking, David's too small. David's thinking, 
My God's too big. And the same God that strengthened little old David long ago, that's the same God that was strengthening Paul, all the shipwrecks, the, the beatings, the imprisonments, the nakedness, the cold, the heat, the starvation he went through, the, the thorn in the flesh, people on the outside attacking him, people on the inside of the Lord's church attacking him. I mean, he had some issues. He had some challenges. But he had this strength, you see, the same strength that he was praying the Ephesians would be able to receive the same strength that we pray our graduates and that all of us were. It takes a lot of strength to be a Christian. It takes a lot of strength to push away that addiction. It takes a, a lot of strength to push away that relationship that is toxic. It takes a lot of strength to, to give as we've been given to. It takes a lot of strength to say to that, that gossiper, don't be talking about my brother or sister that way. Don't, I'm not going to hear that anymore. It takes a lot of strength to tell the profane person, don't be speaking of my father that way. It takes a, a lot of strength to, to be a true leader in the workplace for Christ, to let our coworkers know we belong to Jesus, and we're not going to laugh at those jokes. We're not going to visit those websites. We're just not going to live that life. It takes a lot of strength for a single parent to load the kids up on Sunday morning and say, we're going to worship. It takes a lot of strength to leave a spouse at the house who won't go. There's so much involved in Christianity that requires spiritual muscles that are beyond us, but thankfully, we have this strength from above that comes and then is strength from within. Do, do you see that? Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner, inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart. So we're wishing and praying for the strength of our graduates and for all of us, but we're also praying that we might be a dwelling place in our hearts for Christ. And that's through the faith that we have. And how do we get our faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Want to have stronger faith? Read the book. Read the book. It's just that simple. The more we read the book, the more our faith increases. The more we neglect the book, the weaker our faith becomes. It's not complicated. A page a day is going to keep the devil away. A couple pages a day keep him further away. Right? We want to pray for strength. We want to pray that that we have a spiritual house here that Christ would feel comfortable visiting. What's one of the negatives to having company come to your house? You got to clean up. You got to clean up. What's one of the positives to having company come to your house? You got to clean up. Jesus is coming. Can you imagine this compliment that Jesus wants to be in us, wants to have that kind of relationship, that kind of closeness with us. See, once we, what's the saying? Once we were inhibited, now we are inhabited. There are things that we were unable to do, and now Jesus is in us. Suddenly, we're able to do those things. We're able to have the strength. We're able to, to let the light shine. We're able to radiate Christ now better than ever before. And want to make sure that as he has come in, we have evicted those things that, that Christ doesn't want to be a part of. We, we shouldn't 
make him have to be roommates inside of us with those things that, that he came and, and died to save us from. Does that make sense? I want to get rid of that as best we can with his help. So we're praying for strength. We're praying that our heart will be receptive places for, for Jesus, comfortable place for him to come and dwell. And then this, that you be rooted and grounded in love. He's kind of doubling up the importance of it, rooted in love, grounded in love. Basically the same idea repeated two times to say that, that love is the foundation for what we do. It cannot be to impress people. We don't want to be doing good things so people will think we're good. We want to be doing good things because we are good. And what prompts goodness from us is love. It is a selfless desire to be pleasing to God. And what has prompted us to love God? We love him. Why? John says because he first loved us. Love was his choice. We had nothing to do with it. And it just boggles my mind to understand this reality. There's nothing you and I can do to cause God to love us more. There's nothing we can do to cause him to love us less. There are things we can do to disappoint him, I'm sure, and there are things we can do to please him more. But his love is fixed. It was determined long before there wasn't us. God so loved. We don't want to read that, God so loved the world. We'll say God so loved somebody like me, somebody like Paul, somebody like thee. That he gave, when we love we give, that he gave his best, his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth, that's us, should not perish but have everlasting life. It was prompted by love. And then our response has got to be love. How do you get somebody to love you? And we can't control that completely, but what's, what's one of the best ways? We get people to love us by loving them. Again, that's how God has motivated, inspired, hopefully, us to love him. He loved us. Now we're loving him. How do we get people to be kind? We're kind to them. How do we get people to be generous? We're generous to them. Again, that breaks down with some folks, but for most people, that'll work. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of a, a repetition or reinforcement here. Of when the lawyer comes to Christ, said, what's the greatest commandment? They had all these commands. They had over 600 of them that sprang out of the old law. And, and this lawyer, he says, I, I, we, we want to argue with you about what you think is number one. And, and Jesus just shut him down by, by saying what no one could deny, the most important command, the most important gesture, the most important thing we get to do in this life is love God. And then Christ gave him a bonus. The second most important thing is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And later Jesus elevated that, called it a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And that's a to die for love. And that's what Paul is talking about here, to be rooted and grounded in that kind of, of mature love. When things are going well, we're going to be loving. When things are not going so well, we're really tested, we're going to be loving then also. It's, a, it's an unwavering, it's a steadfast, it's not, well, do you love me today? I'm going to think about it. Do you love me tomorrow? Yes, I do. Do you love me the next day? No, I don't. Because of your behavior, I just can't. God doesn't deal with us that way. He made his decision long ago, and he's sticking with it.
And, and we need to have made that decision also that we're going to love God. That we're going to love our neighbor. And it doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's sun. The sun is shining. If people are good, if people are not so good, if we're appreciated, if we're not appreciated, we're just going to love. Agape love, you know, is unconditional. Can you imagine that? Love has no conditions at all. We just decided we're going to love. We're going to treat people the way we want people to treat us. We're going to be forgiving. We're going to be polite. We're going to be hospitable. We're going to be generous. We're going to be burden-bearing. We're going to be peacemakers. We're going to be praying for one another. We're going to be washing one another's feet. You remember in, in John 13 where Jesus washes the feet? Do you remember how all that is introduced? With verse 1, it says, he loved them to the end. See, see, we, we have a, roman, uh, a romanticized view of love. It's something we we sing songs about. It's something we write or read poems about. We see these love stories in the cinema, right? And it's kind of an, an elusive thing to, to just grasp the, the fullness of love. Not when you look at the life of Jesus. It's really just this simple. He loved them to the end. What does that mean he did that night? He, he washed their filthy feet. And it doesn't appear that they lined up to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because basically, before their feet were even dry from that, one is selling him, another is denying him, the rest are running away from him. And he's still loving them. He's still dying for them. You know what he said to us after he washed those feet? He said, he said, do you understand what I've done? I've given you an example that you should do to others as I have done to you. And then he says, happy, King James says, happy are ye if ye do them. If you, if you wash feet, if you, if you show your love through service. You want to write a poem? That's not a bad idea. I want to sing a song? That's, that's helpful in some ways, I guess. But nothing beats washing feet. Nothing beats helping somebody carry a burden. That is the essence of love. That is the idea here. That is the prayer that Paul has. That is our prayer for each other, that we be strengthened, that we be a place where Jesus dwells, that we are rooted and grounded in love. And look at, look at, um, look at 18 may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the height and the depth, excuse me, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ. That's the pattern which passes knowledge is too big to grasp that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, and, and this prayer is answered, and then some. How awesome is our God? Verse 20 says, now to him... And we sing this, don't we? When I was a kid, you sing this at youth rallies. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly above, uh, exceedingly abundantly above, I don't want to miss that word, abundantly above all we ask, all we think according to the power that works. Where's his power? In us. And we need power today to deal with what we got to deal with out there. Verse 21 says, 
To him be glory. Notice where the glory is in the church. That's why it's so important for us to be in the church. So important for Walter Jackson yesterday to confess his belief in Jesus, the Son of God, and be immersed, be added by the Lord to his church, Acts 2.47, because then he has a vehicle by which he can now glorify God. We all, now that we're in the church, we can glorify God. It tells me then it's impossible to glorify God outside the body of his Son. So we're in the church, we're glorifying Christ, we're glorifying the Father in the church by Christ Jesus, notice, to all generations forever and ever. And he ends the prayer with the word, amen. We typically think the word amen means so be it. It's a little bit stronger than that. It means I'm agreeing with that, that I'm in for that, that I'm signing up and I'm committing to that. So let us, let us have this prayer for one another, that we be strong. Uh, Christianity is not for sissies. It's not for sissies. It's for men and women, boys and girls who have some strength to them, supplied by the Father. It's his muscles. It's not ours. And then also, of course, we're wanting to pray that we be a place, we be a heart where Jesus feels welcome. And then, of course, we want to be rooted, grounded in love. By this, Jesus said, all men shall know you're my disciples if, if, you, if you dress a certain way, if you sing a certain way, if you worship a certain way. Those things are important, of course. But that's not what Jesus said the world would know we're his disciples according to. It's love. If you love one another. So my brothers, my sisters, my friends, let us love one another. Let us pray. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he has done so much, is doing so much, will do so much for us. And help us, Father, to bow our hearts, our knees to you because of this gift of grace that we have because of Christ. Thank you, God, that we have a treasure we could never earn. Father, we want to pray that you strengthen all of us. You strengthen especially those that are youngest and most vulnerable among us. I want to pray, Father, that our hearts will be acceptable dwelling places for Christ. We want to pray, Father, also that uh, you, would, you would help us to be rooted in love, grounded in love, have a foundation of love that, that, that never shifts, that never, never changes, that never gets too frustrated. And help us to understand that it is a love that, that prompts the great verbs of Christianity. We serve, we worship, we give, we pray, we sing, we forgive, we bear burdens, we help, we encourage, we boost. All of that, Father, because of love. Thank you for showing us the way to love one another. Forgive us, God, of the times that we have been inattentive to, to you, to our mission, to each other. Help us to do better. Help us to block out the clutter, the distractions of this world. And Father, if we have yet to put on Jesus in baptism, help us to tend to that business immediately. Help us to not leave this facility in a lost condition. Help us to confess our belief in Christ Jesus as our Lord and your Son. And help us to be immersed in water for the remission of every sin we've ever committed. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the privilege of worship tonight. In Jesus we pray. Amen.